Hello, and welcome to another episode of Credit Eco to Go, Curdside Thought Leadership for Financial Services. My name is Joanne Needleman, and I am a partner at the law firm of Clark Hill PLC, as well as a member of the firm's banking and financial services practice. Today on our podcast, we are talking with Kelly Brown, Chairman and CEO of American Deposit Management, a nationally recognized leader of Treasury and Cash Management Services. ADM, as it is often called, currently has over $2 billion of assets under management and maintains relationships with over 500 financial institutions. Prior to starting ADM, Kelly founded First Wisconsin Bank and Trust Company, and she is also chair of the Marquette University Banking Program. Kelly, you are truly one of my favorite people in this industry because you have such a healthy attitude about why financial services and community banking is important. I welcome you to the podcast. Thanks, Joanne. I appreciate it very much. Happy to be here. Great. Um, Kelly, let's talk a little bit about ADM because it is such a unique company. When I first met you, you told me about it and I said, huh? What? You can do that? (laughs) So talk a little bit about ADM and what it is that you do. Yeah. So the opportunity, you know, in the, the, the marketplace today for FDIC insurance for a depositor is limited to $250,000 per tax ID for a non-retail person, a company, if you will. So what ADM does, ADM aggregates FDIC insurance, giving full FDIC coverage to large depositors throughout the nation, whether you're a corporate entity, you're a nonprofit, you're a, <clears throat> excuse me, you're a bank. You can be any one of the, those types of entities. And if you need FDIC protection for your funds, what we do is we break up a large deposit, say it's a million dollars, and we break it up into pieces just below 250000 And we work with all of our banks in our network to spread out the funds, and, that, and thus giving the customer one statement that lists all of the banks that their funds are in. And the idea came from, you know, this is going to sound so funny for people that I know everybody has seen these commercials on TV where they say, do you or someone you love have mesothelioma and everyone's like, what in the heck? And they say there's billions of dollars in trust. And you're thinking billions of dollars. I wonder where that money's sitting. Well, ADM came from that industry, class action and mass tort, what we call complex litigation. And um, when the federal courts uh, make these decisions on some of these large class action lawsuits, the funds are very big. You know, the largest uh, class action we ever dealt with was $1.3 billion. And oftentimes there's a requirement that the funds need to be protected at all times. So this idea of what we do comes from 25 years of experience in that industry in federal courts telling me or our company, the administrator who's ever working on this project, that the funds need to be fully protected. And so, um, if you know, people have seen the show, Aaron Brockovich, again, very similar story uh, where PP&E uh, or PP&G, it was a large oil and gas company that was sued by people that got sick from things in the water. Um, everyone got a payment. Well, that's what ADM does. We hold the funds where we ensure that they're protected in our bank network by, by splitting it up and, and sending it out to our banks. And then we make a lot of payments. So oftentimes those checks in the mail. And I think everyone's probably gotten one. It could be for a dollar 13 or 31 cents or 4,800 or whoever, whatever the amount is, 
um, a lot of those checks come from our office as well. So we issue a lot of the payments in addition to holding the funds. So it's really what we do is we protect, um, you know, for safety is the number one goal here at ADM. Our customers come to us because they want to ensure that their funds are safe above the FDIC limit of $250,000. And for those that are listening, I think, you know, it's not something people think about every day, but, you know, what FDIC FDIC insurance means is if you have funds, if your company has funds sitting at a bank and it's above $250,000 and God forbid the bank fails, um, any dollar that's above $250,000 in your account is potentially at risk. And the FDIC will only cover the first $250,000. So the rest of that um, has, has no protection. And that's where we come in. Um, we will take the, the remainder of that and we will break it up and make sure it's protected for the client. And it's really slick. It's a great, it's a great, um, it's a great program that our company, companies nationwide use us. Uh, we have governmental entities, municipalities, school districts, technical colleges, insurance companies, hedge funds, private equity, you name it, they're customers of ADM and, um, and it's really great. We're really proud to do what we do, and we do it here in Milwaukee, Wisconsin. That, that is great. And you're also, in addition to the customers that are giving you the money, you're also helping the banks who are receiving the money. You got it. Yep. So the banks, and we have a lot of banks in our bank network. Mm-hmm. A lot of banks are really struggling these days in deposit gathering. So with the last 10 years, we've seen technology take over the banking industry in a lot of really great ways, right? All of us benefit from, you know, remote deposit capture and using an ATM machine and, and online banking platforms and, um, you know, depositing your check from your phone. These are all really great things. But what it has done is removed the customer out of the branch. And it's also allowed for non-bank entities to enter into the marketplace and really um, siphon community bank deposits out of the communities in which the banks are sitting. So a lot of our community banks really don't understand or have a, have a good strategy on how to go after deposits. And so that's where we come in. We can work with the bank and we do a lot of work with them in funding strategies and providing deposits to them, um, directly sending customers to them and working with them. Um, but really, it, really what we do is enhance the community banking industry um, and really disrupted uh, the, the non-banks um, by saying, we, we want to keep these funds within our community banks. It's excellent. Yeah, it's, it's really, it's a great philosophy. It, it really is. You guys do such great work. But I remember you telling me you got started in this business in 2008. That's just terrific timing on your part. <laughs> yeah, it was scary. It was scary timing. But what we did know, I had sold the bank that I started and knew that this this concept of, of aggregating deposits was a good one. And it worked really well in the class action industry. So I thought, you know, wouldn't this work for, you know, city of Chicago and University of Wisconsin and, you know, the Texas um, diocese and, you know, wouldn't this concept work for those types of clients, especially in an environment where the economy was so shaken. And, you know, during that period of time, during the great recession, if you will, we watched over 500 banks fail. And um, our program thrived. It was really a scary time to start a business, but at the same time, it was the perfect time to start a business, especially one that was created to protect depositors' cash. And, um, and we've never looked back. It's just been a wonderful journey. And even right now during COVID and lockdowns and all of these problematic things that are occurring in our nation, 
Um, ADM is um, doing the same thing we did during the Great Recession. We're providing that safety to a lot of our clients. And, you know, as, as competitive as returns can be, we're trying to be as competitive as possible. That's terrific. I'm glad you brought up the comparisons between 2008 and now because it, it, it certainly feels like we're heading into a, a, certainly an economic downturn. We don't know what the full effect of that's going to be. And certainly banks are concerned about liquidity. Although I just read somewhere that savings are up 33% for the moment. And that's partly because, as you know, people have gotten stim stimulus checks. There are people still working and nobody's spending right now. Uh, you know, right. everybody doesn't know, but that's, there's going to be a liquidity issue at some point. And, and what, what concerns do you see about liquidity as we start to hopefully roll out of this pandemic uh, through the end of 2020 and then certainly into 2021? Yeah, I, you know, some of the concerns that I have, I, I worry, I worry again about the banks. I, you know, we have, I think a couple things, savings are up for the reasons that you mentioned, but I also believe that there's a fear factor that's involved this time far worse than what it was in 2008 and 09 and, and 10, um, where th there's this fear of the unknown. And even though during the Great Recession, we had a lot of troubling things happening with Enron and um, Bernie Madoff. I mean, there were things that were in the news that were troubling to people. And we saw cities and states, you know, Detroit, Michigan, my hometown and the state of Michigan, where, where the industries are, you know, um, concentrated in manufacturing. And we saw, you know, what happened with GM and Ford and bankruptcies and things like these. And, and yes, those are all very concerning, but worldwide, right. that was not, you know, in the news the way it was today. And social media also wasn't as prevalent. And so what I see now is there's this fear of this unknown and it, and I never saw this in our businesses before. And so a lot of our businesses, you know, they're concerned about their own liquidity, but the banks are concerned for, for different reasons, whether it's, um, whether it's, you know, the company being able to meet its payroll obligations, whether it's able to meet its covenants on its loans, whatever the case may be, but it's also the people factor because people are just, I think, scared. Yeah. Yeah. Do you think, so, you know, there has been a federal response, obviously, uh, to this pandemic by the CARES Act, now the Flexibility Act, there's talk there will be another stimulus, and part of that uh, we're seeing is to build up these credit facilities. Um, the Main mm -hmm. Street Lending Program supposedly is going to launch soon, I don't know, we keep following it, but uh, it, it's hard to say. They've also uh, changed the program a bit, I guess, to entice more people to be to to participate in it but do you think this building up of credit facilities is a good or bad thing um i don't think it's good at all frankly i'm concerned about it i you know i'm a very conservative business person as far as you know fiscally be, being very responsible and we've always had cash i mean that to me has always been you save for a rainy day that's what i was taught as a as a kid um, but I also feel comfortable knowing I run a business and I've got nine months of payroll and expenses saved. Right. I don't think most businesses, I, I know most businesses um, obviously did not share that philosophy. And if our businesses can't survive 30 days without running out of cash, right. I mean, we've got, we've got some issues here in our country. And I, I, I am concerned about these 
these programs because I, I don't know how they're being monitored. The changes are coming fast and furious. And for business owners to have to try to keep up with the changes, it makes it extremely difficult and expensive, you know, for a small business that has to understand. I mean, when the PPP was rolled out, you know, I don't know how many changes they yeah. made in the PPP program. I mean, it was, I, I couldn't even keep it all straight. It was every other day I was on different conference calls to understand, you know, what the rules were today. Um, you know, we've got a lot of our clients that are municipal clients. And when you talk about what's going on with COVID, you think about municipalities, right? Cities and governments and, and their tax revenues and all their revenues are, are dwindling because of what's going on. So what's going to happen when their bonds come due? I mean, that's, it, it just becomes this trickle effect, right? That, that all of us are going to be dealing with at one way or another. And, it's it's like I said, it's that fear factor. It's this is a this is a territory none of us have ever been in before, and um, trying to stay steadfast and and on top of all of the changes and and just be reticent in our in our strategies and business and and trying to just move forward isn't as easy as it once was because there just is nothing you can count on. Uh, absolutely true. Um... Before I let you go, I just want to talk about one last uh, topic that you and I talked about. And you said that banks are becoming depositors. What is the significance mm -hmm. of that trend? Yeah, so when PPP uh, first, you know, rolled out, you know, most of the banks that we work with, as they had clients using that program, required all of the PPP funds to be deposited into their banks, mm -hmm. and which makes a lot of sense, right? And so, Absolutely. you know, you're going to have – yeah, holding those deposits for eight weeks, which they thought was eight weeks, now is, you know, has been extended Wait, again. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> right. It's like for now. Right. Um, but it, it gave, all of a sudden, these banks are sitting on excess liquidity. And what are they going to do with it? Sell it overnight at, you know, three basis points. And right. so, you know, we have a lot of our banks that are takers of deposits of ours now calling and saying, hey, you know, we're sitting on all this excess cash. Can you guys help us out? It's like, absolutely we can. Right. So it's almost like a, it's almost like, you know, a dating game, a match, a, a match dating game. It's like bank A wants to date bank Z, bank A needs money, bank Z doesn't need money. So we put them together and, and work with them to, um, to, to offload their excess deposits and, you know, get a, a better return than they could get elsewhere and then still have the liquidity and the FDIC coverage that they're seeking. So um, it's actually been, uh, a huge 30% uh, growth in our company in the last two months has come from banks with excess liquidity. And I don't see that stopping anytime soon, as long as they're going to be sitting on these funds um, and they're not lending them out as quickly as they typically would. I mean, these are big deposits coming, excuse me, coming into these banks. Yeah. And if they're not, you know, if they're not lending that money out quickly, they need a home for it. So we've, uh, we've, we've actually been a, a, a nice fit for many, many banks across the nation uh, with their excess liquidity. So, fascinating. Really, I learned so much when I talk, when I talk to you. <laughs> Just, terrific. Uh, Kelly, thank you so much. I mean, I think for our listeners, this is really an important discussion, and I hope that we can continue this uh, in the future. Before for I sure. let you go, um, I, at Credit Eco to we do a couple fun things. One is we, we ask all of our guests, because we have a to-go theme, if you have any takeout experiences that you would like to share with us uh, while you have been uh, sheltering in place and during this crisis. 
Yeah. Um, so there's a restaurant near my house that's family owned um, by literally a husband and wife, and they've got two kids that you would often see behind the counter, um, you know, ringing up the register. And I was very concerned about their well-being um, because it's a nice family restaurant we go to all the time. But, you know, this was a, a trying time. So um, every week, multiple times a week, we would go and order food from them. But then whatever the, the amount was, we would just double the amount of um, the, you know, the payment. If it was a $40 bill, we'd make it $80. If it was a $100 bill, we'd make it $200. We did whatever we could to become another customer for them and help them, you know, maintain during the crisis. And and when I went in, finally, when I went in one time to pick up, when they finally kind of opened and I didn't have to be in my car to get my pickup, um, I said, you know, how did you guys handle things during the crisis? They said, you know, we were actually thinking about only doing the way we, we did it. We we were more profitable at that time than we were when the doors were open. And I'm like, well, that's the best news I've ever heard. So I was you know, very happy to hear uh, that, that they had experience. That is such a wonderful story, Kelly. I, I love hearing that. I've seen a couple. It's really been interesting how people have had to get creative uh, during yeah. this crisis. And for some, mm -hmm. it was a, it was an interesting business model that they made very well change. I mean, why do I have to have tables right. and chairs? You know, just right. <laughs> right, right. Well, I think it's also a testament to, to the community, right? So I'm sure I wasn't the only one that felt that way. And it, it tells me that I, I love my friends and neighbors that all banded together with the unknown. Like we didn't know each other was doing that, but everybody banded together to take care of this family. And it, it just, I mean, that should make all of us as Americans feel good. I mean, that's, that's what we're, that's why we're all here. Like that's the great American story, you know? Absolutely. Uh, terrific. Thank you so much. Finally, before I let you go, I keep saying I'm going to let you go, but I don't. <laughs> uh, <laughs> you have a charity element here at Credit Eco to Go, and in consideration of your time, and I, I do appreciate it, uh, Credit Eco to Go would like to make a donation either to a local charity that helps support restaurant workers or a food bank. Um, do you have a particular, particular charity that you'd like to tell us about? Um, I do have a charity I'd like to tell you about, but it didn't have anything to do with a, a um, it didn't have anything. I have the walk, the local one I wanted to have you guys do the donation to was uh, the Waukesha County Food Bank. And that's sure. uh, the county in Waukesha, Waukesha Wisconsin. Um, and it supports a ton of families and they do a lot more than just provide food. They provide a lot of social services and it's a much needed thing in our community. Um, but we've, we're, we're also going to make a donation on our behalf because of this, because of what you guys did. So we're going to match your donation, but we also, anytime I do anything like this, I, I have to give a shout out to the wounded warrior project. It is my, it is my favorite group of people. I am a, I am a military child. Um, my dad was in the military. My grandpa and most of the men in my family were in the military. And so I support that wholeheartedly. So um, I just want to give a shout out to them as well. And we love what you guys are doing and supporting, you know, restaurant industry and food workers. And I think all of us have, have really learned a lot about ourselves during this, this, this difficult time. Um, and it, we've gotten closer to one another as people and our families. And it makes me really appreciate those like you, Joanne, in my life and um, anything I can do to help. And, um, you know, I'm, I'm here. Well, thank you, Kelly. That is so sweet. And I'm a big believer in the Wounded Warrior Project as well. I think we do now in this time more than ever, we must support our veterans. Uh, we have to. They yeah. for us. 
Um, well, thank you so much, Kelly. And thank you to our listeners um, for stopping in for another episode of Credit Eco to Go. For more information about the podcast, uh, please go to the Clark Hill website, www.clarkhill.com forward slash people forward slash Joanne Needleman. Uh, there's a link on my bio page. We also have a LinkedIn page uh, for Credit Eco to Go. And if you have any uh, suggestions uh, for topics that we should be talking about, or you'd like to be a guest on Credit Eco to Go, please email us at creditecotogo at clarkhill.com. Thanks so much for listening. We'll talk to you soon. This podcast is intended for general education and informational purposes only, and should not be regarded as either legal advice or a legal opinion. You should not act upon or use this publication or any of its contents for any specific situation. Recipients are cautioned to obtain legal advice from their legal counsel with respect to any decision or course of action contemplated in a specific situation. Clark Hill PLC and its attorneys provide legal advice only after establishing an attorney-client relationship through a written attorney-client engagement agreement. This recording does not establish an attorney-client relationship with any recipient.